Welcome to High Stakes. This episode is going to be about our commonly asked questions that we get from investors and LPs, because I think it's really important for founders when they're pitching VCs to know what the motivations are for venture capital firms. And also, I think it's interesting for investors out there who are investing in funds and in startups, because it's all the same questions, especially in this current environment. And I think it's worth talking about some of them. Also, this episode is different because we don't have any outside guests. So this is just the internal K Street team for the first time. So you'll get a front row seat to our all of our own thought processes on this stuff. And with that, I guess we'll do some intros. We have Nick, I'll let you go first. Thank you, Paige. I'm happy to be on the podcast with you today. I'm Nick Dufala, principal at K Street Capital. And I oversee our back office operations, financials and recording for our deal pipeline, investment diligence, portfolio management, investor relations. I'm also a board advisor, a fractional CFO, and best of all, I'm a new dad. Uh, before joining K Street Capital, Perhaps. thank you. But you already before, had two Frenchies. I, I do have two Frenchies as well. <laughs> Before joining K Street, uh, I was a founder of my own private equity advisory services company, uh, where I work closely with founders and investors seeking strategic CFO advice. And before that, I led a career in Wall Street investment banking, equity research, and fund operations. As principal at KSC, I'm, I'm humbled to be a part of the founder journey and strive to be as resourceful as possible to help build successful companies. Thanks, Nick. James? Yeah, thank you so much for having me uh, for this session page. I appreciate it. You know, just as sort of a, a quick background, I spent my first 10 years working for two pretty different logistics companies up in the Pacific Northwest. The first was a PE portfolio company where I worked with this great group of people on the finance side, helping 10x you know, the firm. I then moved into the startup world of logistics, building out the finance arm of a Series A marketplace that would later get acquired. And then after spending some time helping with that post-merger integration period, I, I moved into associate work here with you all at, at K Street. And that includes a lot of helping the portfolio companies and, you know, helping Nick do the due diligence and so forth for different opportunities in our pipeline. Thanks, James. I think everybody knows me. I've been running K Street for almost six years now. My background was in finance for about a decade in portfolio management and, and uh, in public equities and ended up leaving to found a fintech company. So I had a venture backed fintech company that I took through an exit and then I found K Street and this has been my home ever since. So I, I think we're going to do this a little bit differently. Instead of me being the primary host, this is our team. So we're just going to talk about some of these, you know, like a list of the most common questions that we get and we're just going to all go around Robin and and talk about each one. So I think the first one, James, you've got right. Yeah. So as we begin walking through everything, the, the first question for the group is describing the investment philosophy at K Street and how it fits into the broader VC landscape. Yeah, I think it's a great place to start. Um, yeah, at K Street, we, we've always focused on unit economics and uh, we invest in founders who already have a clear path in mind to profitability, not ones that are living on a hope and prayer that they can get there if and only if they grow at expensive EC-backed costs. Uh, we do invest in companies that become unicorn leaders, but they also have a clear path to an earlier exit, if that should make sense. And we should really share that more with our audience. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, I think we've never been investors in super high valuation companies that 
don't have any traction or even like an MVP built. And that's a that's a trend. I think it's been a more common trend in investing, at least since 2020, 2019 even. And then I guess I would also just say we care a lot about our co-investors. So we we know that historically we were a syndicate. So we were writing relatively small checks and now we have the funds. We write bigger checks, but it's super important that we know who the other investors in the round are. We trust them. We we have a lot of co-investors that we've invested in multiple deals in together just to understand the governance structure because that has a huge impact on companies down the line, especially when they go to exit. So over the past few months, we've been hearing and seeing more and more in popular media about potential decline in startup growth and about VCs becoming more selective. Is this something that we're seeing here happen at K Street? I think it, it actually isn't. Like we've always been equally selective. We've always targeted and, and looked at the same types of companies and we have the same, I'd say, level of deal flow. If not, I mean, that's one difference is that we have more deal flow now, probably just because there are less VCs investing at the moment. Um, that being said, like I, I think the decline of startup growth is worth talking about. Like for us, we we've invested in over 70 companies at this point and We've had about 13 exits. So the companies that we still have in our portfolio that are active, we are actually not seeing a lot of decline. We've had three busts in the past 12 months, and that's normal for us, given the number of companies we've invested in. And those three companies were all in the consumer product space, which is not our current investment thesis. It might have been back in the early days when K Street started a decade ago. Um, but uh, so those those companies, it makes sense to me why that happened. But I think the rest of our portfolio and the ones that are aligned with our current thesis that we've had for the past five years, we're actually seeing them do incredibly well. And and most of them have cash runway for at least the next 12 months, um, which is a positive. Yeah. Just to coattail off your last comment there about cash runway, cash is king again. I mean, I come from an economist background and the macroeconomics, we're in a tightening environment. So it, it comes from LPs, you know, looking at 5% yield on money market accounts and, and CDs and alternative investments are competing with yield. So we see that our startup companies are shoring up their, their cash balances. Um, we see bridge rounds of convertible notes more in, in the space. And these companies are, are making sure their, their burn is low, making sure that they have, you know, 12 to 18 months of cash runway. Yep. I would just say, obviously, all founders are saying that due diligence takes longer now because investors are being more careful, I think. I think a lot of investors maybe weren't doing a full due diligence process. We always have. So nothing has changed on our end. But I think the rounds are closing more slowly for the companies because other investors are are taking a bit longer to to close. Yeah. And, you know, bouncing off of the, the stuff that you all talk about, I, I think we see the cycle of hype around AI continuing to play itself out in a lot of the companies that, that come across our pipeline, you know, especially for marketplaces, for example. And I think the way that we're typically seeing it leveraged in their business models is this co-pilot idea where whatever the AI tool is they're deploying goes runs alongside some you know, full-time employee who then gets an acceleration in their efficiencies and productivity and so forth. And it gives them scaling opportunities that perhaps in the last few years they they hadn't had. At least that's the the narrative that comes out in the pipeline. And you see a lot more companies kind of taking on that that structure and that strategy. Before you ask your next question, James, I just want to say one thing about that too. Like every company now has AI in it. 
it's like every deck we see. <laughs> so we know what you're doing. We know that like we use AI too. Are we suddenly an AI, the new latest AI, you know, VC? No, we're just taking the technology that exists to be more productive, which everybody should be doing right now. It's not a value. It's not, it's very, there are some AI companies that do have a very clear value proposition and they have a very clear um, differentiator. But if you don't have that, then VCs can tell immediately. Don't, you don't need to like, it doesn't help you. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, yeah, much much like crypto craze and so forth, it becomes clear when there's a hype cycle and you see it as it just starts appearing in lip service form. And so, yeah, I definitely, you know, hear what you're saying and yeah, so forth. Like you, you added an LLM and now you're an AI, whatever. And it's like, okay, everybody can add an LLM. <laughs> everybody already has. So. Which is very different from, say, like a 2015 LLM, you know, company right. and so forth. It's it's very dependent. But yeah, we we do see a lot of that. In terms of, you know, given given that, you know, sort of segue, in terms of investment strategies, what's working well in your two, you know, opinion at, at K Street and what adjustments, if any, would you make or have you made in response to kind of the market changes Nick was talking about? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I really think, you know, our fundamental approach, it, it, it works well. And so we're not really changing our investment thesis or, or how we invest, but what we have changed is we've been leading rounds, uh, you know, as, as cash has been sitting more on the sideline and the shift of, of company valuations, we see startups come in with these stale high valuations and we end up negotiating with them and bringing them back into where the market environment is. They're, they're investor friendly. They're, they're founder friendly because these companies have access to capital and, and we're there, um, you know, willing to write the check. So I'd say if anything that we're doing different is that we're able to lead around and make it happen for these founders. Yeah. But I, and I would caveat that. So for founders who are listening to this, we don't primarily lead rounds. We just happen to have been doing it recently because there's been an opportunity to for founders that founding teams that want to reset their cap table. And, you know, there are a lot of very high price rounds in the recent last few years, and they're sometimes unsustainable for the equity ownership of the founding team. And it's like, there's no incentive in it for you to continue at that point. And so I think there's a lot of resetting happening out there and we have been a part of that. And in a positive way though, like we want the founders to be incentivized. So that's like our entire goal in doing it. And we want to make sure that we're investing in a company that has a fair enough valuation that we can see upside, obviously. So that's why we've been doing it. I wouldn't say we will always be doing it, but um, that is a trend as of late. Paige, are you worried about KSC's portfolio or any industries that we invest in? Am I worried about our portfolio? No. I mean, I think maybe this is a repeat of some of the things I was sort of sharing already, but We've always been unit economics investors and we've never been like hype cycle or hype valuation investors. So fortunately, we we never sort of ran into the issues that I think a lot of newer VCs are running into now that started funds in the past couple of years um, or that may have been just new to VC in general the past couple of years because that was all they knew, I guess, was this, this environment that we're in. Um, so no, I'm not worried. I mean, we check in very regularly with our portfolio companies. And um, like I was mentioning earlier, all of them have at least 12 months of runway, uh, with the exception of the three that, of course, I mentioned that we that have gone bust. But um, that's like in a normal year for us, that's that's on par for the course. That's not high for us. Um, yeah. Awesome. James, K 
Can you share a recent investment story or experience that encapsulates the challenges or opportunities you see in today's startup environment? Well, I think one of the key changes we've seen in the last couple months is that companies are more frequently coming in to raise a bridge on, you know, essentially flat terms just to extend the cash runway. You know, they perhaps don't have the metrics that they would need to do a full raised priced round again. And, you know, I think that that's been a pretty interesting trend is this sort of move towards we're just raising additional capital, you know, given what's going on in in the current liquidity environment. But, you know, the other thing that we also see when we look at our pipeline metrics is that we're seeing earlier stage companies seeking more capital than they perhaps were not that long ago in the grand, you know, the grand arc of time. And so I think that companies that are raising or trying to raise more knowing the tightened environment that, you know, we've kind of talked about. And then also this this topic of raises based on flat terms or just bridges versus the more traditional series. And I'll just add one thing to that too, James, before you go to the next question. I think a lot of these companies haven't haven't sort of had their like come to Jesus moment on their valuation either. So we're seeing a lot of these long bridge rounds that have just been like hanging out for a year and they're not even half closed yet. And it's like, well, you think you're going to raise the same terms that you raised at, you know, two years ago or a year ago, but so it's a flat round, but it really it's going to be tough to fill that <laughs> bridge round at that price point in today's environment. So I think we're going to see a lot more of those come back down to reality soon. Yeah. And I mean, we as a group have that type of conversation pretty frequently about some of the valuations and so forth that, that cross our desk. And I, I think that to your point, there's there's still more shakeout in you know, the VC arena that needs to happen because things have changed so dramatically in a tight window. There's definitely more shakeout. And I think it's been protected by a lot of the VCs that already had invested, like protecting their investment by putting more money in to sort of keep the companies afloat. And it, so we haven't seen all of it, but it is, it, you know, it's, it's sort of, it's making its way. I'll, I'll just put it that way. Yeah, given that there's this, perspective generally that VCs are becoming a little more risk averse, um, you know, how they're looking at the fundamental products, market fit and so forth. Do you think that this is true? And how has the K Street team approached risk in this rapidly changing environment? Yeah, it's a good question. I I believe it, you know, it is somewhat true. And I'm going to reference a, a Q2 Carta highlight on the VC environment. And the map of VC is, is shifting from more investment in, in, the, in the West Coast to more investment in the East Coast. And the West Coast still has a, a lion's share, but East Coast is, is increasing. And East Coast investors have been more of your conservative per se, Wall Street fundamental unit economic investors versus, you know, the pie in the sky investors on the West Coast, um, which is just you know, naturally been the consensus in the DC arena. But, you know, from a K Street Capital approach, we stay very close to our Porcos to understand our, their cash and growth. And there's always expected bus, of course, but I, I don't see our portfolio getting decimated at the same rate the rest of the VC portfolios are out there. Yeah, 100% agree. I think a lot of the, it was sort of on the theme of what we've been saying all along is that like for us, a lot of our portfolio companies that we've invested in years ago are now Series B, C, and D stage, and they're still doing well, fortunately. 
I think that might be just luck because we aren't the investors at that stage. We'll do our pro rata, but we're not, you know, we're not late stage or growth stage investors ourselves. So we've been lucky there. But I think a lot of the other companies out there have uh, just have a long way to go in their they're not able to fundraise and they're running out of cap- cash and their valuation has been way too high. So they need to get recapped. And I think it's just a really tough market for venture in general. And that's what's highlighting the news for everybody. So that's why everyone's like, oh, this gloom and doom venture situation. But in the early stages, I think it's actually the best time to be investing. And we've got we've been seeing tons of opportunities that are just significantly easier to diligence and and have much clearer value proposition than during these crazy, noisy hype markets that we had before. It actually makes our job a little bit easier, which is nice. Yeah, to segue off that, I mean, just to drive into the opportunities that we're seeing um, it is a challenging environment. And and what are we excited about? Yeah, I I think, you know, sort of piggybacking a little bit off of what Paige was talking about at the end of that last section is that there, as the VC market and this entire sort of, you know, industry shakes out and resets its valuations, I think that it creates this opportunity for VCs that have essentially good reputations that have solid financial backgrounds, solid, you know, investment thesis and due diligence process with that capital to deploy, it presents this massive opportunity, right? Because you have all of these enterprises, these ideas that historically in a hype cycle, you might not even be able to get through the due diligence process fast enough to get on the cap table. And now we have the ability to actually conduct the due diligence as well as have more honest conversations about the market with founders. And that creates far more opportunity, at least in terms of what I've seen. And so for that early stage venture market industry, to me, it's actually becoming a really great time to be engaged in it because you're starting to see more and more opportunity, just given how things have changed over the last six months. I agree. I concur. (laughs) So finally, for budding entrepreneurs who listen to the podcast, what piece of advice would you give to them as they start navigating this changing landscape? Yeah, I mean, I think like this is the advice I always have given, but it's becoming more in vogue, you know, now is just to find product market fit. Like this is the thing we care about the most besides the founder and the founding team is do you have product to market fit? Because we're early stage investors, but we're sort of like late seed investors, I would say, or early A, where we want to make sure that the company has very clear product to market fit, whether it's usually that means revenue, to be honest, to be totally honest with all the founders out there. So like most of the companies we invest in usually have some level of at least six or 12 months of revenue and we can see it growing and we can talk to the customers and we can find out why they like the product if they're going to renew it. Um, you know, like what are they going to continue to spend more in that space over time? Like really digging in on your own product to market fit and making sure that you have it and can demonstrate that traction is extremely critical now. And, and it always is actually just it's always going to come to that eventually. And if you don't have revenue, you know, like there's other ways to demonstrate product to market fit. I think there's pilots, there's users, there's other ways to demonstrate it. But you, if that's the case, it needs to be a very clear unit economics conversation around how you eventually will get to profitability. That's what we think about. And that's what we try to talk to founders about when they're in that stage. So that would be my advice. I couldn't say it better than that. You know, I, I think we rest our case. That's um, yeah. product market fit. It's it's showing that you have a clear path to profitability and those are the things we're looking for and, and what we've always looked for. Yep. Cool. Anything else? Any final thoughts? 
just say good luck to all the founders out there. I know it's a really challenging time to raise and um, and ha- us mostly being founders on the team and have been through it ourselves. And we we try to make our process as respectful as we possibly can, knowing what that situation is like. So good luck. And that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you enjoyed it, please leave us a rating and review. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks.